Week one of the NFL season is officially in the books, and boy, did it not disappoint. Welcome into today's episode of the Fancy Football Fellas podcast. Lucas Wenzel, Tyler Plath joining you tonight. Cameron, unfortunately, out with a little bit of a uh, stomach bug tonight, so we are missing no. him, but Ty, will hold, Ty and I will hold down the fort as we bring you the 10 biggest takeaways from week one of action. Now I should make it clear. If anything astronomical happens between Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen, that will not be covered on this episode. We're recording this 450 central time right before Monday night football. So Monday night football will not be covered in this episode, but you will get this first thing Tuesday morning. If you're not subscribed to the podcast already, make sure you do that. If that's on YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, Haiti, hi though. Uh, Haiti, hi though. Hi ho there. That's what I was trying to say. It's been a long day already. You can tell uh, it's been a long day and uh, we're, we're going to get through this episode. Uh, make sure you subscribe on the YouTube channel, turn on those notifications so you can be alerted when all of our new episodes are up. That being podcast shorts, 15, 20 minute YouTube videos as well. You probably saw Tyler's waiver wire video yesterday. Uh, make sure you subscribe there. And if you're listening to the audio podcast format, we are greatly appreciative of that as well. If you wouldn't mind leaving us a little review, that just helps us out. Uh, pushes our, our podcast up the rankings a little bit. So we, we appreciate your support over there as well. So make sure you subscribe. All right. We, I only have so much time here, Ty. Um, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta get through the 10 biggest takeaways from week one of NFL action. Let's dive on into it. Alrighty, so there's a lot of places. There is a lot of places in which we could start from week one. We could start from all the studs this week. We could start with all the duds this week. We could start with everyone in between who made us want to rip our hair out. But Ty, you have the honor of, I'll say, drafting the first takeaway. Uh, to talk about the rest of the episode. Uh, what is your first biggest takeaway from week one of NFL action? So, yeah, so this is uh, kind of two takeaways that I'm putting together under an umbrella theme of where the heck did the goose eggs come from? I mean, <laughs> Drake London, zero. T. Higgins, goose egg. Dallas Goddard, zilch. Like three guys that were taken. I want to, I mean, besides Goddard, you took Higgins in the third, fourth round of your drafts. You took London in the fourth or fifth round. Goddard was a sixth round pick. Like these are guys that you put in your lineup and expected good things from week one. And they just absolutely just <laughs> crapped in the bed. Like it was not great. And what I want to do is I want to take a look at each of those guys, because what we need to do is we need to put proper context to those guys, instead of just looking at the finish and going, Oh my gosh, I lost my week because of them. I mean, we have, you did. That's well, not a you false did. statement. You right. totally did. You totally did. But <laughs> there is not, what I'm trying to say is that there's not a reason to panic necessarily, right? First, let's start with Drake London, one of my flag plants. Okay, not a great look. Right? I will fully admit. My boy that. was out there running cardio week one. He got, he got a real good cardio workout week one. Hey, his his uh, run blocking though was really good. <laughs> Thanks, PFF. Um, look, let's realize that this game script was not, or I should say it like this: this game script is not going to happen every single week. Right. The Falcons are not going to be going up against a rookie quarterback in his first ever NFL regular season game who throws two interceptions. Okay. And uh, because of that, Arthur Smith could run the game plan that he wanted to. And that was to just run the ball and only throw the ball 18 times. Um, you look at the next 
opponent, uh, the the upcoming opponents for the Falcons: Green Bay, Detroit, Jacksonville, Houston, Washington, Tampa, Tennessee, Minnesota. Uh, you want to know what all those teams have in common? They all suck against the pass. Uh, th- that and that they're really good against the run because they allowed 63 or less rushing yards to running backs in week one. Okay, they are built to stop the run. And the other thing that uh, all these teams have in common besides Houston and Tennessee, uh, th- they're graded in the top half of run defense according to PFF. So look, breathe, give it another couple of weeks, give Desmond Ritter you know, a, a negative or a uh, a positive game script. Technically, a positive game script is when you're playing ahead. So let me rephrase this. When they're playing from behind, they will start throwing the ball and Drake London will come through. So that's the first thing. And side note on the Falcons, uh, Tyler Algier is still going to have a role in this offense. So uh, if you're a Bijan manager, go ahead and go f- grab Tyler Algier if he's out there on your waiver wire uh, just as insurance. Uh, T Higgins, the other goose egg, uh, he had eight targets. Okay. Stop overreacting in a bad weather game. Stop overreacting. He's just fine. And kind of the same with Dallas Goddard minus the weather part, like Hertz missed a wide open Dallas Goddard three different times against the Patriots. And Hertz was pressured on 42% of his dropbacks. And traditionally Jalen Hertz when pressured is not as good as a running or pocket passing Jalen Hurts. So yes, you hate to see the goose eggs, but like I said at the very beginning, put proper context to these performances. They will be just fine. It's not time to panic. It's week one. Okay. Just give it a couple more weeks. These are the people you want to go out and go ahead and try and trade for after this week. Bingo. Like you go out, like all these guys who put up zero points, like these managers, some managers are going to get skittish with that. And they're going to say, man, you got to be kidding me. I'll take anybody who showed signs of signs of life week one. Um, we, you didn't even mention the Bengals game. They're like playing it up. I, I, how hard was it raining? I, I haven't it, figured this out. I've listened to two different podcasts today and nobody has been able to tell me. They're like, I think the weather was back in the game. I did it. I have it, no it clue. Was, it it was, looked like it was raining, but it like was disgusting. Like it, it wasn't was. like, it wasn't like tsunami, like Chicago, San Francisco last year, but like it was, om- it was not a ideal situation for either quarterback. No, I mean, that's why I'm not worried about Cincinnati at all. I know for Joe Burrow, it was ugly, really, really bad. But no, these are guys you go out and go buy low on after week one. Now on the flip side, though, Ty, uh, look, I it, I it would honestly be disrespectful for me after week one. I think Cameron had a little bit of his Minnesota Vikings bias kind of leaking into him when he wanted to talk about these two players together. <laughs> I can't. Justin Jefferson was phenomenal week one. We cannot talk about him in the same sentence as Tyreek Hill in week one. Tyreek Hill nearly doubled that man up in fantasy points. 15 targets, 11 receptions, 215 yards, and two scores. That man is breaking 2,000 yards this year. I, he, that man so is <laughs> on mission. Now, if unless I... I think Sleeper was lying to me. He only played 66% of the snaps. Yeah, let me confirm that for you. Right. I'm looking at sleeper here. I don't believe that number for a second. The fa- that man was on the field every single play. It seemed like he was kept um, play. Uh, 66% of the snaps, according to football guys. Shut up. Yep. Oh, my. It's over. It's over. A Tyree kill. Like, I understand it's not the most emphatic takeaway in the entire world, but, but the man put up 44 week one. 
The man is on a mission for 2K this year. He said that this offseason. He literally said it this offseason. I will break 2,000 yards this year, bro. That is on his bucket list. And he he follows that. Che, che, when Cheetah says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. You can go listen to that whole podcast episode where he mentions, all, oh my gosh, Tyreek Hill. He is just inhuman. He is by far one of the most fun players to watch in the entire NFL. You were watching that game yesterday. I uh, <laughs> I was watching it on Red Zone and I had uh, three other games up at the same time. And uh, every time, every time they cut back to that Dolphins Chargers game, it was Tyreek Hill wide open down the middle of the field. I mean, he is going to be... We already know the dude is special, but my gosh, have fun if you have Tyree Kill on your fantasy roster this year because you are going to be in for a fun, fun ride. And like little mini shout out to Attack of Iloa. 400 plus, 460 plus yards. Shout out. Shout, shout out. out. I mean, here's here's the crazy thing about Tyreek. I hate to go, you know, you were just talking about two of it. Um, when you put up more fantasy points than snaps that you had in the game that you played. Like he put up, he put up two thirds of the snaps that he played in fantasy he, points. He, in fantasy points, forty-four and a half fantasy points in PPR formats on forty-four snaps. The dude averaged a fantasy point to play. That's unreal for a wide receiver. Unreal. <laughs> that, that should not be legal. That's no. <laughs> that that should not be legal. Like forty-four fantasy points alone. Then you see that he only played forty-four snaps. That's just that's unfathomable. Tyree Kill was phenomenal. Uh, God bless you all who had Tyreek Hill on your roster this week. Uh, he single-handedly won you, won you your week. There's no question about it. Unless, I guess, maybe unless if you had Drake London in the flex, T. Higgins as your wide receiver too, Dallas Goddard as your tight end, Joe Burrow and, as your quarterback. And then you had your opponent have like the Cowboys defense and Brandon Ayuk and all that. Oh, yeah. And you had the Giants defense, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, mean there, I guess there was a way that you could have lost your week with Tyreek Hill, but That's I highly totally. doubt. I highly doubt. <laughs> That's how uh, your your team was built. Uh, Ty, I'll kick it back to you here. What is your uh, what's the third biggest takeaway of the week in your mind? Uh, I talked about the Eagles already with Dallas Goddard, and I'm going to go back to him again. Let's talk about this Eagles backfield real quick. Um, did, I want to ask Lucas, did you have uh, Kenneth Gainwell being the lead back for the Eagles on your Week One bingo card? <laughs> No, but no. I, I I had DeAndre so disappointing on my bingo card week one. Aha. That See, I did have. That's that's the <laughs> thing. Technically, technically, no, I did not have Kenny Gainwell as the Eagles running back one on my bingo card. I'll, I'll give you half a point for that one. So I, I'll take it. So look, Kenneth Gainwell outsnapped DeAndre Swift 41 to 19. And, and that is just uh, you know, look, we 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 have been out on DeAndre Swift this entire offseason, we pretty much had like zero shares across all three of us. Like we were not touching it with a 10 foot pole. Um, so this was just kind of like a, you know, we're not going to victory lap because it is immature to victory lap after week one. But look, man, uh, Kenneth Gainwell has been there the longest, most familiar with the system. It only made sense. So, um, I will say this, though, when it comes to this backfield, I personally get CH vibes with Kenneth Gainwell, not in the sense that it's like a guy that's, you know, been the starter, lost it, and now he's coming back like CH did last year. But in the sense that, like, we could potentially see the snap count for Kenneth Gainwell, like, decline at an all-time rate after a couple of weeks because... At some point, Sirianni may be like, oh, DeAndre Swift finally gets this offense. And so now he's going to be the guy, right? Like, that's the vibe that I'm talking about. So, uh, for the, you know, here's the thing, though. But just right now, 
capitalize on the hype. If you've got Kenny Gainwell, sweet. Put him in a package. Go try to trade for a T Higgins, right? For the to the manager that's like panicking, right? Um, but just you know, again, DeAndre Swift is maybe just not that good, and we learned that lesson last year. Some people needed a second season of it. I yeah, I guess, I guess that's that's the takeaway for the Eagles backfield. I I wanted no part of this Eagles backfield to begin the I I could get Rashad Penny at a decent price. Mm-hmm. running back 38 where you're starting to draft a lot of dart throw guys. Anyways, a lot of guys who end up finding their way under the waiver wire. I was, I was very okay. Taking a shot on Rashad Penny, Deandre Swift though. I mean, again, on sleeper, he was consistently going as a top 25 running back. And I wanted nothing to do with that. Cause one, I don't even know if Swift is going to be the lead guy. Turns out he wasn't Kenny Gainwell was made me sweat a little bit when uh, Rashad Penny was a healthy scratch, but this is the unpredictability of Nick Sirianni in this Eagles backfield. I, I want nothing to do with it. Like, get me off the DeAndre Swift ride. I, I don't like if I'm an if I'm a DeAndre Swift manager, I'm I'm kind of freaking out. I'm kind of freaking out. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna go out and panic sell him because you can probably only get a bag of chips for him right now. Dude literally had two touches. But you can't start him. You cannot start DeAndre Swift. Which is super unfortunate until you can trust Nick Sirianni, which until you get about four weeks straight of production from DeAndre Swift, I will not be trusting him in any of my fantasy lineups. Oh, wait, I don't have any shares of him. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's the reason I called him a league loser this year. Uh-huh. Let's keep it moving to another duo tie. Uh, one that maybe didn't shock people, but one that actually probably did surprise people. Um, I want to talk about the Jaguars. I want to talk about Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk as the fourth biggest takeaway from week one. Um, I kind of feel silly for being out on Calvin Ridley to start the off season. I, okay. I'll, I'll say this. I'll give him, I'll give myself a little bit of grace here. I really did start to warm up to Calvin Ridley as the off season went on. Uh, by the time that we were drafting, I mean, he was going as like the wide receiver, like 14. I couldn't quite get behind. I couldn't quite get that high. Maybe I should have been getting that high though. I believe he finished out, uh, coming into the season as my wide receiver. I believe he was my wide receiver 17. Uh, but <laughs> Eight of eleven for 121 and one. That boy did not miss a beat. Mm-mm. He looked fresh. He looked great. Trevor Lawrence went to him early and often. That's great. That's great. If you if you were truthing Calvin Ridley this offseason, you're looking real good right about now. However, however, there were some of us this offseason uh, who thought Christian Kirk might actually be the best Jaguars wide receiver value in drafts. One reception on three targets for nine yards. I'm in shambles. Not really in shambles. I, I wasn't all in on Christian Kirk. I thought he was the best value. But this is concerning. Where you bring in Calvin Ridley, guy who hasn't played football in a year and a half, comes out and just Thanos. Thanos snaps Christian Kirk, basically. That's what happened here. Two wide receiver sets. Christian Kirk. It, it was Zay Jones and Calvin Ridley more times than it was Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk. One wide receiver sets. Christian Kirk was hardly out there. I mean, this is concerning. This is very, very concerning if you're a Christian Kirk manager because all of a sudden, he might be irrelevant in this offense. He might be absolutely irrelevant. We thought we thought they could coexist with Christian Kirk primarily in the slot. Calvin Ridley on the outside. They're going to complement each other great. Actually, it might just be the Calvin Ridley show. Uh, what okay, give me here. I don't want to overreact because Zay Jones, five for seven, fifty-five in a tutty. 
who's going to finish higher this year? Christian Kirk or Zay Jones? I I don't want to overreact to week one. I really don't. But when I see one for three for nine yards, I see the snapshots as ugly as they were for Christian Kirk, where Zay Jones was out there in more two wide receiver sets than Christian Kirk was. I start to get concerned. I start to wonder if Zay Jones is going to be better than him this year. What are the odds? The odd uh, for me personally, I think the odds that Zay Jones finishes higher than Christian Kirk is I would give it like a 30 70 chance. Like, I still think there's still a very good chance because my suspicion early is that the Jaguars are going to go very like you know, they're going to be very personnel dependent based on the matchup, right? Like, just taking a look at the snap counts, Luke Farrell played about 50% of the total team snaps. Like, and then Brenton Strange, the rookie tight end, played about 40%. Christian Kirk played 60%. Like, what that signals to me is that they went big packages. Like, they went 12 personnel, two tight ends. They went 13 personnel with three tight ends fairly often. So, I wonder, you know, I doubt that's going to be the same in weeks ahead where they may be forced to go more like three wide receiver sets. And in those games, we could see Christian Kirk, you know, kind of thrive in. But we are at a point where we have to at least acknowledge that the gap between a finish for Christian Kirk and Zay Jones is significantly shrinking compared to where it was like during the offseason where you're like Christian Kirk is still a top 30 wide receiver at minimum. And Zay Jones is going to finish somewhere between like 40 and 60. Like, there's a possibility that Zay Jones could be borderline flex play. Dare I say it? I mean, I, I, if he if he goes five for fifty five and a tutty, that's what he like. A, a tutty won't be his average, but like, even if he goes five for sixty, that's eleven fantasy points most weeks. That, that's what Devo Samuel scored this week. I it's concerning to me. It is very very concerning to me to see Christian Kirk not on the football field and only seeing three targets. Now that Calvin Ridley is in town, like great for Calvin Ridley, great for Calvin Ridley. I could not be more happy for the guy, but I, I color me concerned for Christian Kirk right now. It just, it doesn't make sense in my mind, like why they pay Christian Kirk such a big contract. And I know that like, it's not the, the, the big number is typically not what the player earns and stuff, but like the expectation was that Christian Kirk was going to have a, a, a major role in the offense. And it was, this, and it was true last year. I don't get why it's not the same for this year. Yes. I know Calvin Ridley's there and it's another piece, but like going 12 personnel, 13 personnel was not something that I had in mind for the Jaguars this year. I thought it was going to be a lot more 11 personnel, a lot more three wide receiver sets. Right. And that's what I was anticipating as well was a lot more three wide receiver sets, not, um, yeah, right. Not not as big of packages like you brought up earlier. Um, I'm, I think to answer your question, though, I think it was just opportunity presented itself. Christian Kirk was initially the guy, um, but when opportunity presented itself to go out and get Calvin Ridley, um, screw that contract. We paid the man, but man, you know who makes us a lot better? Calvin Ridley. Um, and I don't think that I, I, I'm pretty sure that's all it would be. Um, so we'll see. That's something to keep an eye on, though, if Christian Kirk does get on the field in future weeks. But uh, Tyler, let's take a quick break before we dive into the next half of our takeaways. <music> 
Today's podcast episode is brought to you by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Now, we love Underdog. It is the easiest place to play best ball formats, and they even have their own form of player props called Pick'em. You can make up to 20 times your money on a single night by correlating props together. Two picks will triple your money, three will six times it, four will ten times it, and five plays that all hit will multiply your entry by 20. You can even place insurance on your picks too, so if only four of your five props hit, you still get 10 times your entry. And if you use our code FELLAS when signing up, Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100. Alrighty, we are back. I went a little bit longer that time. Let's dive back into the takeaways. (laughs) I went pretty long there. Let's dive back into the takeaways, Ty. Uh, Fifth biggest takeaway from week one of fantasy football action. Um, Maybe not so much fantasy football in what I'm about to say, but actual football. I the Cowboys are winning the Super Bowl. I mean, no, stop it. Stop it. That's an over. That's a week did, one overreaction right there. Did that I, is a week one overreaction. Did I, did I become a Cowboys fan overnight as a get proud owner man, of Tony Baldwin? Come on, get Cowboys. security and get this man out of here. <laughs> I'm kidding. Get him out of here. There's, <laughs> get him out of here. No place for him. Yeah, get rid of him. What's that Stephen A clip Stephen of the Cowboys yeah, fan? That's my favorite Stephen A clip. Get security. Get this man out. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Light, for cutting out of me. Oh, well, we're going to go. You just roll with it. Yeah, we're going to roll with it. So, look, uh, Cowboys defense uh, played really, really, really well. Um, (laughs) Zero points allowed, two picks, three forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, one blocked field goal, and two touchdowns. And put and they put pressure on Daniel Jones on sixty seven percent of his dropbacks. Like, yeah, that's that's like Minnesota Dallas games from last year. If you remember what that game was like. (laughs) Um, But the other takeaway is Tony Pollard, and for all the people that um, didn't necessarily buy in on the workhorse Come on, baby. narrative, like don't know what else to tell you other than it was right in front of your face the entire time. Um, and er- I don't know if there's many people saying this, but I wonder if there are people like, Oh, he only got 14 carries and Rico Dowdle and Deuce Wong. Oh, stop it. So I don't want to hear it. Yeah, like stop it. Like they were up 40 to nothing. Like they didn't need to play Tony Pollard. And when the and when Tony Pollard was in, he still scored twice and got a couple and got a couple receptions on top of it. And also a not so great weather game. I don't I don't know what else Tony Pollard can do at this point to like <laughs> convince y'all that he's that dude, but I'm just saying, like. We we were trying to tell you that Tony Pollard is going to have the entire workload to himself, and that's what it looked like. And we'll see it in future weeks because I guarantee you the Cowboys defense is not going to score twice. And I should say special teams, but Tony Pollard is that dude, and and uh, it's time for you to acknowledge him as that dude. Played seventy eight percent of the snaps through the first three quarters. Oh come on now. And the only two times, literally there have only been two other times in his entire career where he has gone over that snap percentage in an entire game. This was just through the first three quarters, but we look, we take that 78% number and we look at it throughout the course of his career. There's only two times. There's a time in 2022. I I believe it was week 10 last year. Uh, Tony Pollard scored. I want to say it it was, I believe it was 21.8 fantasy points. It was 21.8 and 31.6 were the, were the two totals. Uh, week 15 of last year was one of them. 
Uh, and it was week 10 or week 15 in 2020 was the other time. Week 10 last year. Week 15 in 2020, he put up a 30 buck. When the man gets fed the football, he makes things happen to, with it. And when they're around the goal line, it ain't going to be Doddle. It ain't going to be our itty bitty baby boy, Deuce Vaughn, five foot five. Shout out Short King. Short King. And it ain't going to be Ronald, did Ronald Jones even play yesterday? No, he suspended two games. That's right. It's, it's Tony Pollard and nobody else. This it it not wanting to be in on Tony Pollard is just you're you're just ignorant. You are ignorant. You can't get out of your own way. It's right there for you. And just accept that Tony Pollard is that dude. He's going like he's the guy this year. I I'm not even gonna beat a beat that into the ground, beat a dead horse, because I could sit here and do that for hours on end. All right. Sixth biggest takeaway from week one of NFL action. How about the 49ers, man? How Ooh. about a shellac a shellacking? And Brandon Ayuk was a big part of that. 129 yards, two tutties, caught eight receptions on his eight targets. He did not drop a pass. You look at his one touchdown where he absolutely mossed, mossed. the Steelers defender. That was a that was a slightly bad decision by Brock Purdy. How dare you call Brock Purdy a bad player? How dare you? <laughs> I just said it. It, probably, it was a risky decision. But hey, Brandon Ayuk went up and got it. And you know what? If he can give Brock Purdy that kind of confidence, this 49ers team and Brock Purdy are going to be dangerous. They are going to be dangerous. Uh Debo Samuel, five of seven for 55. No score or anything. Tyler just got blinded by his own oh, <laughs> If you're oh, on YouTube, oh, that was a great word. reaction. That was a great reaction. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you, you gotta leave a you gotta leave a like and a sub for that. Oh, that's free. That's free entertainment. That's free entertainment. Man saw the light of Christ and got blinded. You know what that light was? That was the light of Tony Pollard becoming a workhorse back. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> My man just blinded himself. Uh, let's get back, back to the 49ers. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, look, threw up a monster day. Correct me if I'm wrong. He is currently the overall wide receiver wide receiver two on the week after Tyreek Hill. Uh, correct. Uh, and that man, I it's phenomenal. Uh, you, you got another steal on Brandon Ayuk this year who is going outside of the top 30 wide receivers. You got another steal on him this year. I, I, th- I think he's going to be the wide receiver one in this 49ers offense. I don't think Debo is toast but you're not encouraged by 11 fantasy points he's currently the wide receiver 33 on the week 34 on the week i believe uh if cd lamb outscored him then it's the the wide receiver 34 on the week i i brandon i that guy he's a wide receiver one in this offense made out made came out and made his claim right away week one and brock Purdy's going to look for him in the red zone i great great signs of things to come for brandon Ayuk. i mean it's so Debo still had five receptions on seven targets, but the the thing is, Ayuk is uh, Brock Purdy's preferred target. Yes, and that showed last year. And granted, there was time that Debo missed when Brock Purdy was in. Um, but I don't I don't know why this wasn't said enough in the offseason. Christian McCaffrey severely 
impacts the ceiling of Debo Samuel. Like they needed Debo Samuel to be kind of the do it all guy in 2021 because they didn't have a Christian McCaffrey. Now that he's there, it kind of opens things up for a quarterback to target really whichever weapon they want. And Brock Purdy's preference is either to throw it short to Christian McCaffrey, look for Brandon Ayuk, or look for George Kittle in the red zone. Somewhere in there is where Debo Samuel belongs. And it's just not going to be a fun guessing game with Debo Samuel because that's just how things are going to be with the Niners this year. So, uh, yeah, uh, Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver one season. Uh, I'm all in on it. All in on it. Let's keep it moving, Ty. I'll kick it over to you for your seventh biggest takeaway from week one. Let's talk about the Los Angeles Rams. No. Well, we can talk about part of the Los Angeles Rams. We can't talk. Oh, we don't want to talk about Cam Akers? Stop. <laughs> don't, don't we'll talk about stop. the other guy. We'll talk about the other guy. Yeah, my favorite guy. Number one on the jersey list. Number one instantly is Puka Nakua. And uh, look, 10 receptions on 15 targets for a buck 19. Uh, he is clearly the guy that Stafford trusts the most. And yeah, Tutu Atwell had a nice game. Um, but if we're going to talk about consistency and who's likely to repeat solid fantasy production one week to the next, it's definitely Puka Nakua over Tutu Atwell. Uh, Van Jefferson, though he did lead the wide receivers in snaps, uh, he underperformed massively and had, and he had one big drop that was <laughs> borderline unforgivable. And uh, Tyler Higby underwhelmed. And uh, look, it this is this this is uh, Puka's opportunity to stake his claim as a main contributor in the offense. And to me, he proved it week one. I think a lot of people will be like, I need to see another week of it, which is fine. But just know that Puka is just a monster and route running is just going to dominate again. So um, go add uh, Puka Nakua. Like, <laughs> there should be no reason why he's not on your squad this year, or, or at least after this week. Uh, let's also talk about the backfield real quick. And I'm going to try to keep this, <laughs> try to keep Lucas. <laughs> Out of misery, out of his misery. But um, look, Kyron Williams uh, stole the show and uh, he had 15 carries. Yes, Cam Akers had 22 carries. But here's the thing. Cam Akers had 11 of those carries come on the last two drives for the Rams. And uh, when you look at the 29 rushing yards that go along with it, uh, not a good look. Not a good look. Um, And there were there was some training camp buzz that the Rams wanted to get Kyron Williams more involved in the offense. And uh, at that point, it was just a matter of like, do you take that or not? And <laughs> it seemed like the majority of people said, that's got to be some kind of, you know, fake news that the Rams are trying to put out there to people. So they prepare for Kyron Williams unnecessarily, you know, unnecessarily. And uh, that, Proved to be true a bit. So look, Kyrie Williams needs to find your way or find his way onto your team. If you have cam acres, um, because there's all of a sudden a reality where Kyrie Williams, uh, starts to take work away from cam acres until we see that Kyrie Williams proves to be inefficient. Kind of like it was last year, a little bit where he got 
a ton of chances, proved to be inefficient. Then it went back to Cam Akers. So, um, but for the meantime, like I said, Kyron Williams, Puka Nakua need to find their way onto fantasy rosters because uh, that's the direction that the Rams are going until uh, Cooper Cup comes back. There, there's only there's only one one thing I have to say. Ah! <laughs> I think I have to say, I am in I'm in moose piss with Cam Akers right now, man. <laughs> I I cannot I I cannot fathom I cannot fathom what Sean Mc. New, new DeAndre Swift. Right when I fall in love with the man, I get my heart torn in half. I fell in love with DeAndre Swift last year. Dan Campbell decided to stomp it into the ground, kicks dirt on it. <laughs> Sean McVay's doing the same thing with Cam Akers, man. I, oh my gosh, 28 snaps for Cam Akers to Kyron Williams, 53. Oh my goodness. Cam Akers, 11 of his 22 carries. Did you bring that up? Maybe. Oh yeah, on the last two drives of the Rams. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. You, you brought that up. Okay, I, I admittedly I was trying to figure out why the the Aaron Rodgers free space was free space wasn't showing up on Underdog anymore. Hasn't even kicked off yet. Code fellows over there. Um, you're not gonna be able to get that because Monday Night Football has already played. But I digress. I admittedly wasn't listening as closely as I should have been because I was trying to help people <laughs> well, out who were questioning so. where I know, it was. I know you're heard about Cam Akers, but I had to listen through myself talk through Drake London. Okay. So look, we're, we're both reeling a bit. Okay. We, uh, we get it. We get it. <laughs> I, in a favorable game script, cam Akers can't get more snaps than Kyron Williams. <laughs> the game they win by 13. <laughs> was it 13 or was it? Yeah, more? it was 30 to 17 no, or was it 30, 30 to 13? 13. Oh, no. 17. <laughs> oh, Oh, and the man averaged one point three yards per catch. Hit the drop just, again. Hit the drop again. Uh, <laughs> uh, absolute shambles. shambles. I, I, I need to move on to somebody who's going to give me some more hope. Um, oh, I am glad I took a flyer on Zay Flowers in in quite a few leagues. That's just a hard transition. I can't sit and talk about camp makers anymore. Uh, Zay Flowers, look, he is. We're talking about clear number one options for a team. It ain't Cam Akers. It's actually Zay Flowers for the Baltimore Ravens. That man, holy smokes, did he put on a show in his NFL debut. Uh, and, and Admittedly, not on my bingo card. I was thinking, yeah, they got a lot of pass-catching options here. Sure, Mark Andrews is out, but it's that Texans. Come on now. J.K. Dobbins, massive day incoming. I've written, man, J.K., I feel, okay, pause. I am so sorry for J.K. Dobbins. I feel terrible for Dude. him. I oh my gosh! You can't get more devastating of an injury for a guy. He cannot. He hasn't even played twenty five NFL games yet. It's just oh, it's just awful. I I feel so bad for the guy. But Zay Flowers stepped up, man. Zay Flowers put on an absolute show. Ten targets. Holy smokes! That led the team by seven targets. Odell Beckham had three for 30 or three targets, two for 37. Bateman, three for 35. Dobbins, before he went out, he actually got three targets that game. But Zay Flowers, nine receptions on 10 targets for 78 yards. No score. He got two rushing attempts for nine yards as well, but focal point. He is the focal point in this offense. Now, you question how much that's going to change when Mark Andrews comes back, but 
if you're going to pick a wide receiver, and all of a sudden the, the, that decision's made for you. It's Zay Flowers. There's no debate who the wide receiver one is in Baltimore now. You don't have to worry about Rashad Bateman. You don't have to worry about Odell Beckham. You know what I just realized? What did you just realize? We are all reeling in some way, shape, or form. Who was the one Ravens wide receiver <laughs> that Cam was in on this year? That's why he didn't show up. That's why he didn't show That's up. That's why he didn't show he up. He didn't want to face the storm. No, oh. he, didn't, he didn't want to face the music. You know what, Cameron, oh, Tyler, and I did. <laughs> on two guys that we are frankly more in on than you were. But Zay Flowers, uh, he he just looks so good. He, good after the catch as well. That's the most. That's the biggest thing for me was Zay Flowers. He's not a big guy, but man, did he look good after the catch? So I'm really excited for Zay Flowers. I think he's he's probably a lock for your flex spot now at this point. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm really excited if I'm a Zay Flowers manager right now, and I took him uh, you know tenth round of my fantasy drafts. I'm feeling pretty good about that. You didn't have anything you want to add off on to say flowers there. Uh, this team, this offense, I, this offense is now the Mark Andrews and Zay flowers offense. <laughs> it, that's what it is. I mean, you got, you gave Lamar his contract. You gave him the weapons. He chose a flowers mm-hmm. process of elimination. I mean, Lamar made it easy for us. We don't have to, we don't have Thanks, to think about Lamar. this anymore. Now all Lamar has to do is go out and target Odell Beckham nine times next week. And I'll want to absolutely rip my freaking hair out. So uh, <laughs> I, I guess here's the other way to look at it with Zay Flowers. Uh, when Lamar Jackson only throws the ball 22 times and 10 of those go to Zay Flowers, uh, that's certainly going to change when Mark Andrews comes back, but clearly favors Zay Flowers. Yes. He really, really likes throwing the ball to Mark Andrews. You can go look at any any game in the past when the two have played together. It. <laughs> it's going to be those two and Lamar Jackson on the ground. Yeah. Why don't we, uh, why don't we wrap up the episode? Ty? I know we, I know we only have eight on the dock, but uh, why don't you talk about Anthony Richardson? He has to be a takeaway this week. Cause as I'm looking at it, quarterback three on the week, that's worth talking about in his debut. Oh, I don't really want to talk about Richardson because I found something else that probably needs to go that needs to be talked about. Just okay, I'll, I'll talk about, I'll talk about my boy AR then. Yeah. I'll talk about my boy AR. I'll admit it. I'll admit it. I'll eat my own words on AR. I was nervous about him this year. I didn't think he could be that great of a passer. I thought he had a lot of developing to do, but in a game where he kind of had to go toe to toe with Trevor Lawrence, look, 259 passing touchdown, added 40 rushing yards on 10 carries, scored on the ground as well, one pick. You could ask for a worse start. That's that's pretty dang good for Anthony Richardson right away. 23.6 fantasy points. He's currently the quarterback three on the week. Look, if, if, if we get a game like that from Anthony Richardson, we didn't even see his best rushing. We didn't even see this Justin Fields, Cam Newton level rushing ability. The best is yet to come for AR. We're getting 23.6 fantasy points in week one. Oh boy, I'm excited. If I took a shot on AR, I am very, very excited right now. Uh, that That's another big takeaway for me. I, <laughs> admittedly, I think defenses are going to sniff him out. You look at... Uh, <laughs> You look at his target chart from uh, from week one. Everything was to the right side of the field. That man did not look to the left side of the field. Like you, you like I like I kid you not. Uh, Josh Norris from Underdog Fantasy, friends of the show. He posted a brilliant tweet. He posted the photo of it. I could not believe my eyes. <laughs> like anything outside of the left tackle, maybe what three targets. Everything to the right of the left tackle. Anthony Richardson threw and it was definitely more skewed to the right than it was even down the middle. 
If it was down the middle, it was much more shallow. He took shots down the right side, but holy smokes. Uh, if you're an NFL defense, that's not going to be too hard to, uh, <laughs> to script against, but, but that is a good sign of things to come. I think for Anthony Richardson, if he can put up 23 in a game where he had to go toe to toe with one of the best breakout quarterbacks this year in the NFL. You know the real, you know the other reason why Cam didn't join us today. Why? Because Michael Pittman went for what for eight catches on seventy nine yards and one touchdown on eleven targets. Yeah, man, it, it, Pittman. <laughs> I'll, I'll eat my words on Pittman too. I will gladly eat my words on Pittman. I was nervous about AR, so I said, but because of that, I got to be nervous on the pass catchers. But Pittman put on a show yesterday, man. He, he looked great, and I fleeced Cam. <laughs> More importantly. <laughs> I won't, I'll just I'll just say the two main pieces in the deal were Michael Pittman and Trey Lombergs. I won't give any more context than that. I, I don't need that man to feel too bad about himself. Cam, I got it. You, you kicked me while I was down with Byron Murphy bunting last week. Sean Murphy bunting. <laughs> I got to kick you while you're down here. I need to stop laughing because I know it's going to come my way relatively soon. So. Oh, it totally will. That, it's just a matter of time. <laughs> Why don't you bring it home last takeaway time? Uh, the Denver Broncos. Okay. Ah. Um. Let's let's just start with the wide receivers. Uh, Cortland Sutton, uh, he scored. He actually did something. Um, yeah. But you know who didn't do something that a lot of people said uh, was actually going to do something? Uh, Marvin Mims. Uh, how about this? Um, Marvin Mims, two catches for nine yards on, uh, let's, 17 snaps. 17 snaps. That's pretty he funny. got out snapped by Brandon Johnson and little Jordan Humphrey. Little Jordan Humphrey. He caught a touchdown. He did. But Marvin Mims was fourth in wide receiver snaps. And uh, <laughs> when Adam Troutman, Chris Manhurts, and Greg Dulcich all have more snaps than Marvin Mims. Uh, <clears throat> That's first. That's takeaway number one. I'm not going to go into it any further. But the other takeaway, um, remember when Sean Payton said, I don't know if it was Sean Payton, but somebody said that Javante Williams was going to be on a snap count. <laughs> um, he got the same amount of snaps as Shama- as a uh, Samaji P Ryan, and he got 13 carries. Like, I don't know who has been pushing out the buzz about Javante Williams. You know slowly coming back, needing a little bit of time still again, snap count. Mm-hmm. That was just not true. Like yeah. the guy pretty much played a full game. So I think in the, I think if that would, here's my argument. If that, if that was a snap count, imagine what regular workload is going to w- look like for Javante Williams. And like, it's not going to be the same Javante Williams because no running back is ever the same coming back from a knee injury like his, and Samachi Piran is likely going to take some more of that receiving work. But dog, like Javante Williams, for how late you were getting him in drafts this year, pretty much can be like, I'm not going to, we are way too early to talk about league winners and league losers. But like, it, you got a steal with Javante Williams this year if based on just week one action. You're welcome. Uh, you, I, I appreciate you not just put me in a body bag there mostly because I think our trade was actually fair, but it was, it was, I digress. Anything you want to add before we wrap up the show here, Ty? Hey, like I said, at the very beginning with the goose eggs, don't overreact. Okay. Yes. It's, it's week one, given another week or two. Okay. But essentially what week one should, should tell you is 
here's how things will here's how things will be or should be and let's react let's learn and observe and let's react yes uh you don't need to overreact there is reason to be concerned but that does not mean it is the end all be all we have 17 more weeks of football 16 more weeks of fantasy football we got a lot of time left for things to shake out for unfortunately injuries to happen for backups to make their cases for former starters to make like, there is so much that can happen do not overreact these takeaways are merely meant to be a reflection of the week and what we saw how we're interpreting it and what we're doing with that information going forward that's all this episode is we're certainly not trying to overreact but we just want to enlighten you the fantasy football player out there of what happened week one and what you can do with these takeaways moving forward that is all we have for today on today's episode of the fantasy football fellas podcast ffl is on twitter the ffl is on instagram fantasy football fellas facebook tiktok and here on youtube if you're not subscribed please subscribe turn on those notifications we're content every single day youtube videos podcast shorts every single day we have so much content coming out for you all so make sure you subscribe turn on those notifications so you don't miss out on any of that content and if you're listening to the audio podcast we are so 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 grateful for you if you'd be kind enough to leave a review Give a nice little mark on there as well. We are so grateful for your support each and every single week. I'm at Lucas Wenzel on Twitter, Tyler underscore Plath from Tyler. We will see you all later this week for a preview of week two action. We'll be highlighting the best and worst matchups of the week. And we'll do a little bit of recap of, uh, I don't even remember what we called the segment last week. The fellas pick them. We'll recap the fellas pick them. And I'll, 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 with I'll, a, I'll with tell a you right now too. <laughs> with a better name, hopefully. And I'll tell you right now, uh, only one of the fellas cashed in this week and it wasn't Cameron or Tyler. We'll see you all later this week for a week two preview. We'll see you then. Deuces. Deuces. <laughs>